Welcome to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G. This is your forum for exploring and discussing challenges that are faced by public and nonprofit leaders. And now, here's Dr. G. Good afternoon, and thank you for joining us for Leadership Matters. My name is Cheryl G., and I'll be your host for the hour. Today, our topic is we're going to really be looking at the importance of influence in leadership, and we have two wonderful guests that will be with us throughout the hour. First, let me introduce uh, Dr. Trudy Saab, who is the founder and consulting partner of the Center for Organization Effectiveness. Dr. Saab, thank you so much for joining us. I'm glad to be here. Yes, and then also with us today is Mr. Joseph Francis Johnson, who's an executive coach in Arizona, and I'm going to ask both of our guests, starting with Mr. Johnson, just to share a little bit about yourselves. Thank you. Good afternoon, Cheryl. Good afternoon. Well... I'm a military retiree. I spent 19 years, five months, and 10 days. <laughs> but who was counting? <laughs> yes, who was counting. <laughs> in the Navy, part of my career was with the Marine Corps. I was in the medical department, so as you may not know, the Marine Corps does not have any medical personnel. So those of us in the Navy, in the medical unit, must go and serve with the Marines. Every Marine is a combatant. I spent one tour with the Marines over in Vietnam, and the dispensary I had was rated as number one in the 3rd Marine Division, and I was really pleased to have that success. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. Yeah. And most of my time was spent early years in the military with direct service as far as patient care and into administration, and once I uh, retired, I went into managing public housing. Uh, it was far cry, a far cry far from the military, although I do not regret my military background. It just set me up to succeed in the real life, real world life, you might say. I hadn't finished college when I retired from the military, so I went to school and I accomplished an MBA, Master's of Business Administration. Congratulations. Uh, thank you. And I spent about 10 years in San Diego learning about housing, and finally, after 10 years, I thought I knew enough to become an executive director, and I did, Maricopa County here in Arizona. It was a troubled agency. It had a score, well, I believe it was 42 out of 100 points, and within maybe a year, year and a half, we had turned that around. We were somewhere in the 80s. And from that point on, primarily, the housing authorities that I managed were in a trouble status. I went to Baton Rouge, Louisiana. That one wasn't was a good authority. But the two prior directors had gone to jail due to malfeasance in office. I think we hear that all the time. I would just say ouch on that one. Well, <laughs> I brought, you might say, it became an ethical unit once I left, you know, and I went to another troubled one in St. James and in St. John. Again, uh, these, it's, it's easy to do, and I think the topic today really addresses it as far as leadership is concerned. So that's basically what I do, and I also have, throughout the years, been interested in education. I taught for nine years in San Diego. It wasn't really San Diego. It was just outside of uh, San Diego at a community college. It was the accounting course in microcomputer accounting. did the same thing with in Arizona at Maricopa County. Taught, we lived in Scottsdale at the time, and I taught at uh, Florence State Prison, it was viewed and not the 
audience, not before the audience, and also Apache Junction Community College. And while in Baton Rouge, when my last, while at St. John, actually, and uh, living in Baton Rouge, I taught for four, for four years for the University of Phoenix management courses. So I had a parallel, you might say, career working in education and working with a public service entity, which is somewhat like the nonprofit, mm-hmm. but the sources of income is different. Right. Okay, great. Well, I appreciate that introduction, and it kind of gives our listener a little bit of a understanding of the perspective that you bring. Uh, Trudy, how about yourself? If we could have you share a little bit about your um, work experience and your involvement in the public or nonprofit sector. Well, my uh, entire career has been in the public sector. I entered in 1979 after attending graduate school. I'm a sociologist. The field of sociology is my background, and I have a Ph.D. in sociology. And after graduate school, we, um, we, my husband and I both went to the University of Toronto, although we're native Californians, and we came back to San Diego where we had originally met. And um, I, the city of San Diego had an opening for an organization development specialist, which was one of the sub-disciplines that I had studied in graduate school, and it seemed tailor-made. It was a part-time position, but grew to a full-time one. And um, shortly after entering the City of San Diego's Organization Development and Training Unit, about two, three years later, I um, ran it, was the manager of it for about 10 years. And in the process of that, we identified many management academies, diversity educational programs, etc., some of the surrounding cities in the San Diego region were interested in those programs, and they wanted our internal unit to deliver services to them. And we kept, I kept encouraging those cities and the convention center and some of the agencies to hire private consultants. And they said, no, we really actually want people who know the public sector really well. So it seemed like an entrepreneurial opportunity for the city of San Diego to enter into. And at the time, there was a city manager who was pretty entrepreneurial. And um, I took the idea to him, and then he took it to the city council. And after a few council meetings, they agreed to create the Center for Organization Effectiveness. Fabulous. Yeah, so so it's an entrepreneurial venture that sprung out of a city uh, division. And it still exists. Um, today, it was established in 1993, and um, we work up and down the state of California, <clears throat> and it services the public arena, cities, water agencies, counties, the state of California. Um, the federal government doesn't use us um, too much, but we do some private sector work, but mostly it's nonprofits, and the majority is public organizations. Well, wonderful. Um, Congratulations on each of those fronts, and again, thank you so much for taking out time from your schedule to join us. Good. I'm glad to be here. Yes. I'm going to um, maybe go back to um, Joe Johnson, and I'm going to ask you, Joe, your thoughts with regards to um, just the whole concept of influence and the role of influence as it relates to the leadership position. That's a good question my opinion. Influence is needed. You cannot direct anyone if you can't influence them. And I think I used the word a few minutes ago, ethic. You have to understand 
that if you are not ethical in what you do and what you say, your influence probably won't be effective. So I'll have to go along with the influence that uh, is necessary because a, a negative influence, you get a negative response. Okay, great. Um, Trudy, would you like to add to that and, and maybe even add um, a little bit of, of your thoughts around the whole notion of exchange in leadership too? Sure. You know, I don't. I agree with Joe. I don't think you can breathe leadership unless you have um, the ability to influence people. It's kind of like you can't do leadership without risk-taking. You can't do it without having some intelligence around influence, and that's the ability to shepherd an idea through, to make something happen, to move people to some kind of action. And um, and to do that, um, you have to have an influence style, some power, um, maybe how you use that power is how you make things happen. And the notion of exchange for me is that um, you've got to have an, ex- a, a, an acute understanding that um, you got to give more than you take. And so if you want people to, if you want to have people follow you or you want to make something happen, you've got to understand in what ways it in others' interests to do that. And how do you deliver on those interests as a leader? And in exchange, um, you get the kind of action towards the goal um, or towards the project that you'd like to see happen. So that's how I would use exchange as it relates to the issue of leadership and as well as influence. I mean, there's a lot more to say around that, mm-hmm. but um, that kind of gets the conversation going, I think. Yeah, very good. I like that. Um, Joe, anything you want to jump in and add? Well, I agree with everything she said, and I know we are talking about influence, and I believe that when you are a leader, you need to understand the people with whom you're working you need to understand the assignments that you give them and give them the help that they need. That is something that everyone can do, and particularly when you're taking on a new staff, one that's in place, I believe you should evaluate them, and sometimes you'll find that people are not working in the area that they would be most effective. And it takes good leadership then and skills to try to move them from one position to another position because they feel so good where they are, but they're not as effective as they should be. And you just need to slowly but surely reposition that person so they can be successful and your organization can continue to thrive without individuals there who are working but not producing. Mm -hmm. Good. I um, am appreciating what I'm hearing from both of you, and I I love this whole notion of leveraging um, and repositioning people so that they can be successful because I think that is so true that sometimes people do have a lot more to contribute than they may be contributing to a situation just based on maybe not being in a job that's a good fit for them. So if there's an opportunity to create a better fit, I I, um I think that that's a wise thing to do. And, Trudy, one of the things that you said that just really um, stood out for me um, is got to give more than you take. Yes. <laughs> I, I love that, um, that notion. Either of you want to say a little bit more about that? Well, I, I think it's a hard thing for people to hear that, and so I appreciate you um, bringing it up again. 
I really do think that um, too often folks make demands at work, and they make them in by being high maintenance. They make them, um, and they don't even know they're making them. But even their moods can create demands on other people, and that's a take away. I mean, that's you know, kind of dipping into your bank account with folks. Mm-hmm. And um, if if folks aren't aware that if you got to be building your bank account rather than dipping into it. Mm-hmm. Um, because the minute you make a mistake or when something doesn't go well, um, you've got to have a full bank account, with, you know, symbolically speaking. And so this giving more than you take is an example of that, where mm-hmm. you fill it up um, by being attentive to others and being aware and kind of being, having that emotional intelligence mm-hmm. of what do people need. Um, like Joe was describing, what if someone... Doesn't uh, isn't as effective. How do you make them more effective? And by um, covering their back and looking out for their interests, you're giving. Um, and you want to do that more often than you want to take, uh, because you want to save the taking for when you really need it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Um, so you want to have more deposited that you can withdraw mm-hmm. later. I, you know, not, I'm not trying to be calculating about it. Um, right. But it, no, it, it really is an issue of being effective. Right. So, but he, absolutely, it sounds like just kind of leveraging the um, what you bring and how you bring it. Yeah. Also love both of your zoning in on this being attentive um, to what people bring and what they need that you can be responsive to them and the needs of the organization. At the same time, they're not mutually exclusive. Right. So it looks like we actually need to transition into a commercial break. Okay. I'm going to ask you both to stay with us and ask our listeners to please stay tuned, and we'll be right back with more on Leadership Matters. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or email G at dr.g at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. Are you ready to grow your business? Listen for the Independent Business Owners Show with your coach, Rick Carrado. This entertaining talk radio program will bring you the tools to help increase your business. You'll learn sales success, time management, lead generation, business development, life balance, and much more. Rick Carrado is here to help you take your business to the next level. Listen for the Independent Business Owners Show, heard live every Monday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Network. it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You 
You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to dr.g at innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. Thank you for staying with us for more on Leadership Matters. With us today, we have... Uh, Dr. Trudy Sopp, who's the founder and consulting partner of the Center for Organization Effectiveness. Thanks for staying with us, Dr. Sopp. You're welcome. Yes, and then we also have with us today Mr. Joseph F. Johnson, who's with J.F. Johnson & Associates out of Peoria, Arizona. Did I say that correct? Is yes, it Peoria? Yes. Okay, wonderful. And he is now a practicing executive coach. Thank you also for being with us today. Oh, my pleasure. Yeah, our topic for today is influence, and we're continuing to have a conversation on how influencing skills are important in organizations and for a leaders' effectiveness. Trudy, I'm going to ask you to just to share your perspective on how that is. In other words, how is a person's influencing skills or practices, you know, how do they impact the organization's dynamics, and how mm-hmm. might it also impact their ability to achieve results or their overall effectiveness? Well, you know, I, I, having worked inside an organization for so many years and with teams, it's pretty demoralizing to have a boss who doesn't have influence, mm-hmm. um, who can't, you know, walk upstairs and influence a decision in a certain direction or advocate for the staff or influence the staff mm-hmm. um, towards some kind of goal or vision. So I think it it is a skill that is... Um, it, it's, I actually would go to use Joe's ethics um, comparison. I would say it's unethical to be ineffective. Mm. So I actually wow, think that's a strong statement. Yeah, I I'd say more. Mm-hmm. An ethical responsibility mm-hmm. to practice being mm-hmm. influential. Mm-hmm. Uh, because if you can't move a vision forward, if you can't get move the staff in a direction, if fellow staff members, colleagues, can't persuade each other. Um, uh, abound a good idea, then how how ethical is that? Mm-hmm. Um, so I see it so tied to making projects happen. And it may not even be a project where you're trying to change the world. Mm-hmm. You may just want to maintain the status quo. Right now, lots of organizations are restructuring, downsizing, changing, you know, reporting relationships. And those decisions are important, and if we're not able to influence each other and to have some basis upon which someone would take our lead, then good decision-making doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. So I actually think it's pretty linked to ethics, mm-hmm. and it impacts morale. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have a boss who's not particularly effective, uh, and if you have colleagues who um don't give you reason enough either by basis of their personality or their access to information or their expertise, whatever their power base is, that aren't strong enough in any power base to, you know, to uh, in, uh, lead you in your decision making. Then uh, it can be it could be pretty unproductive work environment. Mm-hmm. Great, thanks, Trudy. Joe, anything you'd like to add? Well, I'd say so. In the field that I've chosen and worked in for years, I learned a long time ago that in order to influence people, you need to know exactly what you're doing. You need to come in and have an agenda and to share that agenda with them. 
the employees, they can make you or break you. So if you don't know which way you're going, you're not going to get there. So when they have the belief in you that you are taking them down the right path, although they may not realize they thought what they were doing was correct, but you can show through documentation in the organization that it hasn't been working, and this is what we're going to do, and we already discussed moving people around to put them in a position where they're most effective. Once you start doing that and you start giving them accolades to what they're doing, and I don't mean it, and I'm not someone who will go out and micromanage anyone. I don't like to be micromanaged, and I won't, be micro, and I won't micromanage anyone else. But I do expect when they're given an assignment to complete it. Once they complete that assignment, when we go to the board or any other presentation, it is my practice to always have the person who prepared that report to deliver that report. And if that per person gets stuck anywhere or asks questions by a board member or what have you, I'm there to rescue them because we will discuss the issue before we go before the board meeting. Once you do that, employees will do their best to do the best report they can because I've seen organizations where you have people do reports, they give them to the person who's going to do the presentation, who would be the, the leader, and there isn't any accolade, anything given to the person who prepared, prepared the report, so what do you think you're going to get? You're going to get the bare minimum. So I do believe in trying to run an organization, the people who are working with you should be given accolades for what they do. I believe in having people who are working with me to be smarter than me. They need to know that area that they're focusing on and bring it forth. I need to know what they're doing. But you, I mean, let's take finance as a good example anywhere. Not many people know what the financial person is doing. I'm blessed to have worked in that area, and, and I do know I've gone to so many meetings where they give financial reports and all kinds of questions and no answers. So in repeating what I said, in summary, I believe in having people, A, who are smarter than me working with me, having them do reports, and having them deliver the reports to a body, and I am there to bail them out if they get stuck. Of course, we've reviewed the report before the presentation is done. Mm -hmm. And uh, it seems to work for me, and that's how we can bring, let's say, a troubled organization to success. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I, I love that. In a nutshell, I'm, I'm hearing um, Trudy really talk about the importance of that leader being able to mobilize um, and make things happen, and you, Joe, talking about part of that process is they have to have a vision. They have to kind of see where they're going and engage people in a way where they can contribute and not only contribute, give give them accolades for the things that they're doing and let others know about the work they're doing so that they kind of feel that they're engaged and participating as well in that process. So um, liking what I'm hearing, and Joe, you were just talking about um, and I know in your introduction you really talked about one of the things you do, you're a turnaround manager. So right. you go into a trouble agency and you and it help them figure out how best do you turn this thing around. Um, any examples that you'd like to offer or stories you'd like to offer that can help us better understand this whole concept of leadership and influence? Well, I can think of one. I can think of a few. But one, I just used the word finance. And I know I'd worked at one agency where the financial reports were basically mediocre. And each time we had audits, they got each year financial audits, management audits. They improved, improved, improved. And finally, we ended up with a perfect audit, financial and management. And we didn't have any change in personnel. The person who was doing the financial work was asked during one of the board meetings, why now 
are these reports so detailed and accurate? And the accuracy is based on the audits, the science, and et cetera. And the person looked at me and smiled, and she said that she did not like the idea of someone always telling her what to do. And she indicated that, you know, I worked and supported her, and we discussed the issues as, as they were going. going. So I guess the example here is you may have good people, but if you try to micromanage them perpetually, if you try to influence them on doing what they're doing, when they know that, and I, we're coming back to the word ethics, it's not ethical what they may be asked to do, and they just do mediocre, mediocre work, mm-hmm. it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. So you have people with intelligence, you have people who are doing the right thing, then you support that person, give them all the rope that they need, and you both can succeed. Mm-hmm. And, and, and for me, that's a great story of an example of your being empowering versus powering over someone. And it seems like that empowering um, process were allowed you to influence this person to perform better, which got the results that you and your board needed. Yeah, I, I'd like to just add Oh, yeah, please step in there, Trudy. Um, no, I, I, because... I think Joe did a very nice job in both of his responses in describing credibility and what credible leadership looks like, mm. and um, which I think is a, which is just a great way to influence people, which is that you model the behavior you want from others. And so if you want people to be congratulating and giving accolades to each other, you do it to, your, to the staff, that you um, follow through on what you say you're going to do. And that um, there have been lots of people who've written on the issue of credibility and leadership, and it is—it's a way to make things happen. Um, and uh, I mean, credibility is kind of the outcome, but it also has the ability to influence people towards a vision. Mm-hmm. If you've got a credible leader that you're working with, and, and I think Joe described in his example as well as before that, uh, um, what credible leadership looks like. Mm-hmm. Fabulous. Thank you. Trudy, any stories or examples come to mind for you? Well, you know, um, I'm kind of a... a <laughs> some of my examples are um, national leaders that I think of about how... Maybe when we talk about power bases, I could use a few. Okay. Um, at the state level, like the governor. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually think... Um, Obama's Obama when he was running in the primary and um, his popularity and how Hillary Clinton Clinton wasn't as well liked um, it, interpersonally as Obama was mm-hmm. are pretty good examples mm-hmm. of um, the importance of understanding one's power base and how that leads to being able to influence people. So maybe when we talk about power bases, I can talk about Governor Schwarzenegger. That's okay. <laughs> that would be just and, fine. In yeah. fact, you can go there now, and, and okay. we can continue in the third segment on that topic okay. as well. Well, my argument would be that influence is based, uh, one way to influence people is to be really smart about what your power base is and develop one's power base. And a couple authors, Hersey and Nademeyer, um We'll pick it back up, I guess. Yeah, it looks like we're going to have to do that commercial break after all. Yes. And look forward to um, hearing more about that after this, um, after this break. So please okay. stay with us, and we'll be back with more on Leadership Matters.
the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. Get ready for an exciting and eye-opening hour every week on Globe Talk with Avisant. Join your host, Kevin Parikh, for an inside look at the world economy with a special focus on technology and its impact on humankind. We will invite the top industry experts to our forum and answer your questions, too. Globe Talk with Avisant airs live every Friday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or email Dr. G at dr.g at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. Income Property Investment Talk with Peter Mosca and Dean Isa provides homeowners and investors eager to invest well in real estate the knowledge, resources, and tools necessary to generate significant wealth. Our focus will be the paradigm. Live where you want. Invest where it makes the most sense. Listen live to the brightest minds in real estate investment every Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. That's Income Property Investment Talk with Peter Mosca and Dean Isa, where America learns to invest. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to dr.g at innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. Thank you for staying with us on Leadership Matters. With us today is Dr. Trudy Sopp, founder and consulting partner of the Center for Organization Effectiveness, and Mr. Joseph Johnson of J.S. Johnson & Associates. He's an executive coach that is based in the uh, Peoria, Arizona area. Welcome to both of you. Thanks for being with us. Thank you for having me. Yes, and before we went to break, um, Dr. Sopp, you were sharing a little bit with us with regards to the whole notion of someone understanding and knowing and leveraging, one might say, their power base. Right. Can we right. pick up that conversation? Yes. I, I, I think on this topic of influence, it would be a mistake not to talk a little bit about power. <clears throat> because so often in the classes I teach, people say, oh, I don't have, you know, I don't have a high-level position. I can't have any influence. And they try to opt out of the responsibility to be effective. And uh, Hersey and Natemeyer uh, put together a really nice profile of power, and they explained it the following way, that there's expert power, that is the, the notion that you really know a subject well, and, um, and Joe demonstrates that. He knows the leadership concepts really well. Information power would be you have access to information and people and gossip, and you pass it on, and you're kind of like that connector. 
And Cheryl, you probably read a lot about that in the Tipping Point and books mm-hmm. like that. There's referent power, your likability, and that's where I want to use the example of Obama and Hillary Clinton and the governor of California currently, um, Arnold Schwarzenegger, when he first became the governor, I mean, he had absolutely no credentials <laughs> that were typical of a, a public governor, sector governor, but he was really well-liked, mm-hmm. um, had a great sense of humor, used humor at the right times, was mm-hmm. self-effacing, um, et cetera. And, of and course, he had a wife that everyone liked, too. That didn't help. He had, you know, <laughs> connections. Um, but people didn't vote for him just for that reason. He, I, I watched reporters giddy over the notion that they might be able to cover him. And his likability, you know, had a large part in getting him in office. Mm-hmm. Um, that's another form of power, and that costs you nothing. You don't have to go to school to get that. You don't have to go to school to get information power, expert power probably. And then there's connection power reward, as Joe was saying, you know, complimenting people, um, giving them time and attention, accolades. And then there's coercive power where you withhold that. If someone is disrespecting you too often and you've tried your best to communicate with them, and maybe you need to withhold some of your affection and your attention and your time. So power is lots of things, and it's important, that I think, if people are going to get serious about trying to make things happen and be effective, that they try to expand their power base and not just rely on legitimate kind of formal authority, which we know only gets you so far. I mean, as a parent, we know. <laughs> if your child's room is messy, it has, you know, it's not going to get cleaned up because you're their parent. Maybe for a few minutes you get compliance. But information, likability, connection, rewarding people, acknowledging them, maybe giving them the cold shoulder when it's due, um, are ways to influence too. And when I look at national leaders, and I looked at the primary race when Obama and Hillary Clinton were kind of neck and neck, um, you look now at how popular she is as the Secretary of State, but when she was running against Obama, he was the likable guy. He was the one you could roll his, your sleeves up and you know chat with. He was um, fun to be around. He used humor at the right times, and she suffered a bit in that regard. Mm-hmm. And so I think it matters a lot that mm-hmm. people hone their skills in these mm-hmm. different power bases and expand their repertoire because it has an impact. Mm-hmm. I mean, it can change elections. It can keep people like Bill Clinton still popular. I mean, look <laughs> at the kinds of things he's done off and on. And people still, not to, to play politics here, because George Bush, before he got entangled in some of um, controversies around Iraq war, etc., reporters would write how fun it was to be on Air Force One with him. He knew everybody's name. He knew their kids' names. He was fun to be with, and they wrote better stories about him as a mm-hmm. result. So mm-hmm. not to keep going on, it, mm-hmm. it matters. But those are great examples because it's, it's really kind of talking about what you said earlier as far as, like, earning some grace. Earning All some those... grace, building mm-hmm. your, your bank account mm-hmm. so that when you do mess up like, like mm-hmm. Schwarzenegger did with the unions, mm-hmm. and they pushed back hard, and he admitted. He said, you know, I blew it my first few years. I thought I was, you know, I could push you guys around, and now I know I don't need to be more cooperative. Mm-hmm. So I will. Mm-hmm. Um, and not, you know, that was his first four years. And um, it was a very public display, I think, of in- 
counter influences, mm-hmm. and we got to watch it. Right, excellent. Joe, anything you'd like to add? Well, I have to agree with what she has said, and knowledge is power, but some people, I believe, don't really understand how limited it is because you may become perfectionist in that one area that you're working, but as a leader, you need to understand and know everything that's taking place. So I agree with her. Cross-training is one way I believe that people can learn more and more knowledge and have more and more knowledge, and organization as a whole will move forward. I believe that we must all be confident. If we have confidence in what we're doing, it's difficult to derail us. Mm-hmm. And Joe, are you saying um, confidence or competence? Well, competence is one thing. That's the ability to do the work. Confidence is, oh, okay. is uh, to me, a self-feeling. You know, mm-hmm. I know this. I, mean, I will not give erroneous information to anyone, no matter who it is. I will look the subject up before I start making any dialogue on it. But I've run across people who will who think that they have power and they're going to do something, derail something, or say something that may or may not be correct. I try to make sure before anybody opens his or her mouth that she know, he or she knows exactly what they're talking about because it reflects on me, whatever comes out in that entity. Mm-hmm. And so once staff is aware that you like to be a very credible person, they too want that same credibility. So when they tell me something, are they going to tell a board or the public something, that something will be correct. And the cross-training, I believe, in having that as far as power is concerned, again, power, power is knowledge, I believe that when someone comes to your office or you're providing a service and the person who should be responsible there to address that isn't there for whatever reason, you have somebody there who can address it. And to me, that builds confidence in the person knowing that they aren't stuck with just one thing to do, but they know the entity as a whole. That's really important when you feel that you are not going to be with that agency or company or whatever forever or for any long duration to have someone who you can train, who can then step up when you step out, mm-hmm. and the organization will continue to move forward. Mm-hmm. Excellent. So, I mean, I think that you're both giving us some fabulous food for thought. Trudy, I really appreciate it. You're spelling out these different sources of power and kind of giving some examples of people that you've seen navigate, particularly in the political environment, but we could all maybe relate to um, as yeah. it relates to some of these uh, different sources of power. And this isn't so, these power bases that everyone can access are independent of going back to school. So, you know, being reading the newspaper every day or reading your information online and making it your business to know what's going on in your community before you walk into your place of work. So when people say, did you see that article about the Chargers? Or did you, you know, hear that they're going to move a landfill from one place to another? And you say, no, I didn't. I don't know anything about that. I think you could say that a couple times, but you say that more than that twice, that, you, you know, you're not aware of what's going on. And you get labeled as somebody who's not in the know. And so information power matters, and it doesn't cost anything. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, however you want to get your information through the newspaper or online or however you want to develop, um, you're rewarding people by giving them your time and attention doesn't mean you have to be a boss to give rewards. And 
that influences people. If you're somebody who um, uh, pays attention to folks and um, you know acknowledges them, and then you go and ask for a favor, you're more likely to get that favor because people feel some obligation back to you mm-hmm. because you know you've you've given of yourself to them, mm-hmm. either with information or expertise or you're likable or something like that. Um, I mean, I've watched city managers who who um, get favorable press because reporters appreciated that every time they called them, those city managers called back right away and were quick with a you know a one-liner to give them, and they felt an obligation mm-hmm. in return. Mm-hmm. And again, it doesn't cost anything. It's just it's part of what one does. It's part of the exchange, Cheryl, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. goes on. Right. Um, and if you don't play ball with that, mm-hmm. you you get labeled as somebody who's, um, I don't even know what the label would be. It would be either out to lunch or not a player. Mm-hmm. You get labeled as not a player. Yeah. And then what good is it? I mean, Right. Yeah. Well, I think I'm hearing some wonderful threads in this conversation between both you, uh, Trudy, and, and Joe. Um, in particular, this piece around paying attention and acknowledging others and being responsive and how that um, in and of itself creates this um, exchange yes, that uh, right. yeah that can definitely make help make things happen and Joe, I appreciated your practical um, one might say example regarding the cross training and with regards to your having the conversations with staff. You know, you're not just saying, you know, I'm going to let you go deliver the report, um, but your concern is that you have the conversation ahead of time so that the person is delivering information in a credible way. So they're set up for success, which means the team and the organization is set up for success. And so um, there's a wonderful um, sense of continuity between the knowledge or nuggets that both of you are sharing. And I I think I appreciate that, and I'm sure our listeners do as well. Well, you know, I I think that Joe's example of the competence issue is to me that um, being a competent performer is pretty foundational Mm -hmm. to everything we're saying. Mm -hmm. Everything that we're talking about is on top of that. If you're not basically competent Mm -hmm. in your performance, you can't pull off the rest of this. Yes. Because you're not credible. Exactly. So you've got to have that confidence. Nice summary note for us to transition to break on, and we'll be uh, right back with more on Leadership Matters. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. Zoom Leadership. It's the big picture issues of the day, up close and personal capabilities of leadership, and a desirable future of constant renewal. Zoom Leadership. It's the economic crisis made clear, patterns and perspectives of leadership, and the importance of changing the way we pursue our future. Join host John Schmidt every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time. Zoom Leadership. An inside look at what's really going on in business, government, and civil society. Tune in every week on the Voice America Business Channel. When you are trying to establish your financial plan, there are all sorts of variables that you'll need to take into consideration, from the ever-changing economy and markets to investment risk and your own financial needs. How do you manage all of it to find a plan that will work for you? 
Tune in to the Insightful Investor with Bob Pugh. We'll help you iron it all out to help you stick to a financial plan with the knowledge that you need. The Insightful Investor is broadcast live Mondays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or email drg at dr.g at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to dr.g at innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. Thank you for staying with us for more on Leadership Matters. With us today, we have Mr. Joseph Johnson. He is a um, partner with J.F. Johnson & Associates in Peoria, um, Arizona, where he specializes in providing executive coaching. And then also on the line with us today is Dr. Trudy Sopp, who's the founder and consulting partner of the Center for Organization Effectiveness. Thank you both for staying with us. Yes, it's great. Thank you. Yeah. Great. Joe, we're going to start this segment off with you and just ask you to just share Maybe, uh, I don't know, lessons learned, final tips, just your thoughts that you would share with public or nonprofit leaders for their consideration as it relates to this whole notion of exchange that we've been talking about today or just becoming an influential leader. Well, I think my clue is coming from Trudy and what she said as far as knowledge. You have to know what is taking place because you never know who's going to ask you something and engage you in a conversation. For your nonprofit, a lot of the Funds come from grants, come from donations, and et cetera. So you may have someone who's interested in politics and sports and management or what have you, and you do not know what's taking place, know what's taking place. So they may feel then that you are not aware of what's going on, in a brief way to put it. So being aware into what's taking place as far as your social life is concerned with the outside entities is very important. As far as working with your organization, you can share with them what I just said as far as where our funds are coming from so staff is aware that they cannot just be tunneled, looking, you know, tunnel vision. They need to see the broad perspective, and I think it's the leader's responsibility to give them a broad perspective of what the organization is doing, where their funds are coming from, where they are going to. So when they do meet with people in public, and you never know who it is, they'll be able to interact, and the individual will surely be impressed and know if the entity is keeping staff informed and keeping public informed, 
then obviously they're on the right track. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Thank you. Trudy, anything you'd like to add? You know, I want to be real specific on a couple of tips Excellent. on influence that I've observed in, over my career. I think a lot of people, a lot of us blow our influence in meetings and don't do a very good job in meetings. And I think people should really understand the power of meetings, that you get labeled in meetings. You, If you walk into a meeting and you're not clear why you're there, it shows all over your face. And so part of being influential is being aware of where are those settings where people are interpreting me and judging me, and one of them is in a meeting. So if you're yawning, if you're looking at your watch, if you're slouched in the chair, if you're looking disinterested, if you're looking bored, and the boss is standing in the front of the room, or not your boss, but somebody's boss, or anybody else who's speaking, conclusions get drawn about you. So a very specific suggestion is that this issue of influence and you know um, having a repertoire of power bases from information to legitimate power to referent likability, et cetera, seven that I described, means being disciplined at all times. And that includes um, thinking about what you wear when you go to a meeting, thinking about how you sit, thinking about looking attentive. If you don't know why you're at something, you certainly don't want it to show on your face. Deciding you're going to ask you know, three really good questions before, you know, at the meeting, play acting at the meeting, playing a role. Mm-hmm. Um, say, that, the, say a little bit more about the play acting at the meeting. Well, I think discipline and the self-management of one's emotions is pretty important. I don't, you know, when people say, oh, but it was a boring meeting, I say tough. You know, don't look bored. Even if it's a boring meeting, you've got to self-discipline oneself to play a role, which is I'm going to act and look interested. I'm going to ask three really good questions. I'm going to nod my head. I'm going to look thoughtful. I'm going to, you know, I'm, if I'm not going to interact at all, I'm at least going to look engaged, so I'm going to take notes. And to me, that means regardless of how tired you are or grouchy or hungry, you play a role and play act. It's not false in terms of I'm, I'm going to mislead people about what I believe in. It is being smart that you're being looked at. And um, who wants to have the baggage of the conclusions, since most of the communication is nonverbal? People are concluding things about all of us. The tone of my voice right now, people are concluding some things about me. So I have to be aware and present about that and make some choices. So that's what I mean about role-playing is, you know, so often people say, well, I didn't have a good night's sleep. I'm thinking, well, you know, pretend like you did. Because, <laughs> you know, why is that my problem? Um, and um, and it's, it, it, it feeds into this notion of that's a takeaway. That takes away from your bank account. It makes you high-maintenance. It means I have to take into account your moods when I'm dealing with you. That dips into one's bank account. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so all of the, so, and I think meetings are a place where a lot of this exchange happens. Mm-hmm. And we're always all in meetings. And some mm-hmm. of us get pretty careless about how we sit and behave in them. I mean, I hear people talk about, did you see how he was just, 
sprawled out there in that meeting, and he didn't even look like he could care less. And um, it's a heck of an impression to leave. So I, it's really not a different tangent. It, it is rolled up into this notion. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, being aware of um, your impact on others, and um, if you want to influence us, uh, if you want to speak up and have people listen to you, it can't happen right after you've yawned in a meeting. You know, <laughs> so um, a very specific tip is okay. to be self-aware, and meetings mm-hmm. is a place to be very aware and practice some of these skills around the power base. Mm-hmm. It may be the showstopper in that meeting is to say, my professional judgment is we should do the following, um, and that shows expert power. Excellent. Sorry to use up so much time on No, actually, I think that was a wonderful note for us to uh, conclude on. Joe, any final thoughts from you? Well, I've enjoyed the segment today. I've learned from it, and I hope to be with you again. Yeah, great. I've enjoyed having both of you on. Thank you so much for sharing all of your tips and knowledge. Um, Very much appreciated. And to all of our listeners, we thank you for tuning in to Leadership Matters. Please join us next week on Wednesday at 2 o'clock p.m. Pacific Standard Time and 5 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time for more on Leadership Matters. Thank you. Have a wonderful week. Thank you again for tuning in. Leadership Matters with Dr. G is broadcast live every Wednesday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a wonderful week and make your leadership matter.